If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, we're going we're gonna to arrive in Matthew 22 here in just a minute. Um, but I, I came across this, uh, this report. It was, it was up at the Family Life Center. It says it's a church growth project for the House of Prayer Interdominational Church. Uh, there's four Tacoa Falls college students did this report in May of 1994. So it's, it's a little dated, and we're not really talking about church growth this morning. But I did want to read just a couple of things uh, from their introductory comments. Uh, so it says in, in this report, it says, In 1952, A.M. Uh, McAfee and other like-minded individuals were led to form an, an interdenominational fellowship for the worship of our Lord and Savior. A.M. McAfee, W.E. Kelly, Charles Kelly, Clarence Helton, and Joe Brackett met in the home of Howard Aikens to make plans to form the church they felt they were called to establish. Uh, if I j- jump down just a little bit, it says this, the doctrine of the church would be no book but the Bible, no law but love, and no membership but fellowship. Based upon these principles, the church was founded, the property donated, and the work of the Lord has flour- flourished. And uh, so interesting, those are comments from 1994. If we were writing a report today, I would probably, you could conclude with the same thing. The work of the Lord has continued to flourish here at the church. Um, and so it's just interesting as I've thought about uh, those words in, in that report, we're just a few days away from 2020. And so, however many years, 26 years since that report was written. But the House of Prayers means the House of Prayers is approaching its 68th birthday in the, in the year to come. And so over the years, the church has had a variety of pastors, I think maybe four or five different uh, pastors, properties been purchased, buildings have been built, ministries have been started, but most importantly, I think lives have been saved and lives have been changed through the ministry of the church here. Um, and so, you know, I've just been thinking about where the church has been and where we are now, and you just have to say a lot of things have changed. Uh, pr- maybe you remember the days when you could pick up a cassette tape uh, at the back of the church to bring to a family member or loved one or someone you knew that didn't make it to church. And now uh, this service is being live streamed on Facebook. Um, at one time, House of Prayer didn't have any membership for a long time, actually. No membership here at the House of Prayer. But now we do have uh, membership. Uh, Canal Lake Bible Camp was one of the early ministries of the church, dating back into the mid-50s. And in the beginning days of CLBC, it didn't meet here on this property, but on, uh, on a small piece of property between Highway 129 and the lake, which is why it's called Canal Lake. Uh, for years, there was no formal missions program here at the church, and yet now we have a missions program that supports missionaries that reach all corners of the world. Um, we have the Elijah's Closet uh, clothing ministry that, Lord willing, will be moving over into the, the new building along with the food ministry here in the new year. But at one time, it literally operated out of somebody's closet, which is why it was named the closet. And this year, probably thousands of outfits were given out uh, through the closet. Um, they gave a report that uh, this Christmas, with our Christmas toy drive, uh, we gave toys to 470 children, which included 50 bicycles and 21 Bibles uh, that were given out, along with uh, more items sent to Avita and Defax and Osprey Ministries, because we had more than we could give out ourselves. Um, if you think about the 
the, the cottage across the street, uh, probably over 170,000 pounds of food given out in this, in this uh, 2019. And we could, we could go on and on about how, how it was then and how it is now and, and where we've come. And uh, part of that conversation, you'd have to talk about uh, Pastor Jerry, uh, who arrived here as a pastor in the old sanctuary. And just since Pastor Jerry started pastoring, this is the early 80s, this building wasn't here. So this building was built. We didn't own the mission house, which is a great ministry that we um, can, can house missionaries. We didn't have the cottage across the street. We didn't own the property behind us here. And we didn't have the family life center. So a lot has changed. And yet one thing that I see as I look at the history of the church is the church has always been willing to follow the leading and guiding of the Lord. So where the Lord leads, the, the church has followed. And uh, so this morning, I don't really want to talk about how things have changed, but I'd rather talk about the things that have stayed the same. And I said that they had three guiding principles, or the report said that, and I read them. No book but the Bible, no law but love, no membership but fellowship. And of course, membership has changed, but those first two things, I believe that we still hold tightly today like we did in the early 50s. No book but the Bible and no law but love. And so I want to touch on uh, no book but the Bible and then really focus this morning on this idea of no law but love. But first, no book but the Bible. That's something that's definitely not changed here at the House of Prayer. We still um, hold the Word of God in high regard. And in fact, the first point of our statement of faith, it's uh, be on the screen, reads like this. We believe the Bible to be the inspired, the only infallible, authoritative Word of God. You probably find that statement or one similar to it in a lot of churches' statement of faith. But what do we mean by inspired, infallible, and authoritative? Um, Well, first, the Bible is inspired. We believe that the Bible contains the words of God. Um, That what we read today in the Bible is what God has given us to read. It's not something that some clever church fathers came up with. This is what God gave to us. Uh, The idea of being infallible. We believe that the Bible is completely trustworthy, that it's true. And when we read the words of the Bible, we're reading what God meant for us to read. And then authoritative. If the Bible contains the words of God, and if those words are true, then it has authority in our lives. So when we read that God, um, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, God said, let there be light, and there was Light. God said it. It happened because he has the authority. So when we, uh, when we read and understand that the Bible teaches that salvation is by grace through faith, then that's what we believe and that's what we teach. That's authority in our lives. If the Bible says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, then we have to watch what we say and we have to say things that are wholesome. So the Bible is the authoritative guide, not just for our salvation, but also for our life of faith, and we choose that we'll be obedient to it. So one scripture that uh, touches on that would be 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, which says, all scripture is breathed out by God. In your translation, it might say, if you're reading, it might say, given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So the, the Bible's valuable. It's God's words, and it teaches us how we can live our life. And a purpose is that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. There's other verses that we could look at. But one thing I think has been true since the very beginning is that 
this statement in our, our current statement of faith that says, we believe the Bible to be the inspired, the only infallible, authoritative word of God. It's been a, fa- a foundational block of the house of prayer right from the very beginning. And I believe that that will continue to be that way. The second thing, though, and this is where I really wanted to talk about this morning, is no law but love. And I believe that the House of Prayer is known for today, but always has been known as a, as a loving church. And I think it's probably because the Bible says a lot about love. Uh, just a few verses. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. First John says that God is love. In the book of John, it says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That's what Jesus said. We could look at uh, stories in the Bible, like the parable of the, the, um, the Good Samaritan. The word love might not be mentioned there, but it is a picture of love. In John 13, it says, by this all people will you, excuse me, by this All people will know that you are my disciples, Jesus speaking, if you have love for one another. So our founding founding members stated that there would be no law but love. And if if it were me saying that today, this this is how I like to say this, as a church, as a Christian, I should and you should love God and love people. And then we should lead others to love God and love people. And that's where we're going to look in Matthew chapter 22. Um, if, you, if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, we'll be there. And it, this is a, a passage of scripture, and there's three groups of people at play here. There's the Herodians, there's the Sadducees, and the Pharisees. And they're all taking turns, really taking shots at Jesus. They're thinking, and we can question him, we'll trip him up. Either he'll, get, he'll answer wrong according to our, our laws and our traditions, or he'll, he might answer correctly, but someone will be upset about that. And either way, somebody will be displeased with Jesus. And so they were trying to, to trip him up. So um, in verse 15, they ask him about paying taxes to Caesar. In verse 23, they ask him questions about the resurrection. And uh, we're going to look at verse 34, where the Pharisees ask him a question about the law. And so verse 34 says, This, But when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So this is a a question that they're asking. They're trying to trip Jesus up. And the Pharisees, they had 613 laws in their books. And so there would be debate over... Uh, which laws are the most important? Like, what's the most important law? Are they the laws uh, relating to the sacrifices? Uh, some would argue that, no, the laws relating to the feasts and the festivals were most important. And others might say, no, the laws about the purification process. And others would even say, well, every law is from God, and so therefore every law is just as important as the other. And so there was an ongoing debate that people would have different opinions about this, and they felt by asking this question... Uh, Jesus would answer, he'd have to answer them, and somebody would be upset at him, and then they would be pleased with that. Um, For us today, when I think of this question, I think it's really a a flawed question for us as believers. The question isn't, well, what's the most important thing that we should do for Jesus? It's all about what Jesus has already done for us. And I think that Jesus' answer reflects that. So if we look in verse 37, we get Jesus' answers. 
Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the, the great and first commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So the greatest commandment, according to Jesus, was to love. It wasn't to do or to not to do. It was to love. He said, first love God and then love others. So I think it's important that we kind of take a look for a second at this word love to really understand what Jesus is saying here. The, in the Greek, they had multiple words for the word for, that we would translate love. So there would be this, this word, I believe you'd say, maybe say it like storage. I don't know how, how they pronounced it. But it would be an idea of uh, a, a, a love out of obligation. Like you would expect a, a parent to love their child or a husband to love his wife or wife. So you're obligated to do it. It's a family obligation. Uh, there's the Greek word eros, which was a love that really wasn't love at all. It was really, a, it's all about a selfish, personal satis satisfaction. Uh, then there's the, the word uh, philio, which was a better kind of love, but it was all about mutual uh, mutual satisfaction. If you, you love me, I love you back, we both are in a better place. But this love that Jesus speaks of is agape love. And the uh, interesting thing about this agape love is that it is almost exclusively a biblical word. So if you were reading ancient Greek manuscripts, you would find storage and uh, phileo and you'd find eros. You'd the word agape was almost never found. And it's because it's a biblical word. Agape comes from God. It's not a, it's not a love that's found outside of a relationship with God. So uh, a definition here for agape is, uh, agape is called out of your heart because of the preciousness of the object that's being loved. So it's an idea that you would esteem or value or prize this object and therefore you love it. Um, so it's almost, it, to me, it would be similar to that love that you have, you'd have for a baby. How many of you, anybody have a, a new baby in the family? Right? There's, there's something about that baby. You just see that picture, right? You're not there in the hospital room, but you get the text, you got the picture, and you feel that love, right? You don't even know, we, we've got a new, Sarah's nephew has a one-month, five-week-old baby, there's just like a love that you have, not because of anything that baby's done for you, but just because it's there, right? And you love it. Um, just further developing this definition, agape doesn't come out of you because of the merit or worth of the object. This agape love originates from God. So it's not the idea that you've done something for me and therefore I love you back, or... Um, or you appreciate something and so you say that you love it, it is just love because this agape love comes from God and God says, because you exist, I love you. Agape love delights in giving. There's no, there's no, um, there's no element of agape where you would receive something back. It's all uh, about giving. Agape love keeps on loving even when the loved one is unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, and unworthy. It's an unconditional love. Right? We're starting to get the picture of why this is not a love that's found outside of a relationship with God. 
We don't naturally love someone or something that does not love us back. Uh, the human way to love is, well, I enjoy spending time with them. Um, we like to go do things together. We, we have fun together. They, they make me laugh, and, and, and I do the same for them. And so we say, well, yeah, oh yeah, I love that person. But what about the person that just rubs you the wrong way? Who, who would maybe um, reject any sort of um, appreciation or love that you would show to them? Agape love would say, no, I'm going to love that person as well. Agape love desires only the good of the one being loved. It's a consuming passion for the well-being of others. So this type of love has no sense of, if I do that for them, then I would get something in return. It's, it's a selfless, sacrificial love. And so there's, there's elements of that in our human relationships, but the bottom line is, this type of love comes from God and can only be expressed through us because of a relationship with God. That's the kind of love that God had for us. That's the kind of love that the Bible talks about. It says when God, uh, but God demonstrates his love for us, his agape love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so here's the amazing thing. When we, uh, when we accept Christ's payment for our sins, when we become a follower of Christ, his Holy Spirit comes within us, and then we have the ability to love in that kind of way. All right, so think about, let me say that again. If you're a Christ follower, you have the ability to love in that kind of way. And our natural tendency is to love when loved, to love when it might um, better our situation, love when it's to our benefit, but this type of agape love that God has for us and that we can have for others is a selfless, selfless, sacrificial, I'm loving even if I get nothing in return kind of love. So this kind of love only originates from God. It doesn't exist outside of a relationship with him. So how are we to love? Well, the, this, this passage says in verse 37 to love God first and, and then it says later to love others. I believe that our, when we do truly love God, it will lead us to want to know him and to make him known. So the verse says in 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And we could spend time talking about what does it mean by heart? What's the difference between the heart and the soul? And what's the difference between the soul and the mind? And we, you know, emotion and rational thinking and all of our... The, the bottom line right here, I think, what the point, Jesus' point was, was that we are to love with everything that we have. Every aspect of our lives should be about loving God first and then loving others. So why should we love God, right? Isn't he the one that's supposed to love us? And yet I think that we'll see that loving God is the correct response when we understand how he has loved us. And 1 John helps us to see that. Um, I believe that uh, a passage in 1 John chapter 4, um, I think John's writing to really kind of expound on this idea of God loving us, us loving God, and then us loving others. And so we're going to look there uh, for a couple of minutes. 1 John 4 verse 7 uh, says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. 
as we talked about this, this is agape love. Each, each time I say love in this passage, we're talking about agape love. It says this agape love is from God. It's not natural to us, but it is from God. And whoever loves agape love has been born of God and knows God. If we don't know God, if God hasn't changed us, then we can't have this agape love for others. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. As we know and understand who God is, then love will be our natural response. In this, the love of God was made manifest, manifest among us. Uh, so this is saying, look, this is how God's love was made clear to us. God sent his only son into the world so that we may live, might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, just a big word. Jesus paid for our sins and God was satisfied with that. If God so loved us, if that's how God loved us, we also ought to love one another. I mean, it doesn't, that's, as, that's about as plain as it gets. If God loves us that way, that he would send his son to die on the cross for our sins, that he would love us in a selfless and sacrificial way, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. I think that verse is saying, look, the best way that people see God is when his people, when his children love one another. We are a reflection of who God is. Uh, we're going to jump down to verse 19. Uh, as Dot said a few Sunday nights ago, I'm not skipping these verses because there's something in there I don't want you to see, but just more for time. Uh, verse 19 of chapter 4 says this, We love because he first loved us. So God loved us first, and that's why now we love other people. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Ouch. <laughs> Do I have to read that? I don't have to read that one twice. I could just read that and move on. But think about that. If you say, I love God and you hate your brother, then you're lying. Because someone who loves God, we're talking about agape love, understands what God's done and the natural response is to love. So you say, well, yeah, but what about, you know, what about Frank or what about Bob or what about, you know, you fill in the blank. Well, God wants you to love them. God wants me to love the people that rub me the wrong way. This is the commandment we have from him. I think he's referring back to Matthew chapter 22. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So Jesus said, what's the, they asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love God and love other people. So this idea of prizing someone, of esteeming someone, of uh, unconditional love for someone, wanting what's best for someone, this is what God has for us to express to other people. And what's best for anyone but that they would know who Jesus is and that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, in Paul in Romans, he speaks of the, of the same, um, 
this, this same command that Jesus talks about, Romans chapter 13, uh, verses 8 through 10. This is what Paul says, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. So maybe talking about, well, what, what does it take to fulfill the law and the do's and the don'ts, and you should do this, but you shouldn't do this. And Jesus says, when it comes to your relationship with one another, love one another, and you'll fulfill the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment. You, you pick the commandment, you pick the instruction, you pick the, the passage of Scripture. It's all summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we see that Jesus um, said to love God first and then to love your neighbor. Love the people that you come into contact with. John explains it. Man, God loved us. God loved us. We love him and we need to leave, love other people. And Paul says the same thing. Man, you take all the, all the teachings of the scripture summed up in this thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then verse 10 of Romans chapter 13 says this. Love does no wrong to a neighbor... Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Think about that. that the, the opposite of that would say, if you are treating someone wrong, you are not loving them. And yet God says we should love. You, you, we could, we could talk, talk about this because it spreads into every aspect of our lives. God loves us. He wants us to love him back and to love each other. And then I would say we want, he would want us to lead others to love him and to love others. So what does that, maybe what does that practically look like for us? Well, in human relationships, we love the people the most that we know the best. Did you say that's true? Uh, Bill, Bill Lamar. I know Bill. We've had plenty of conversations. I've never been to his house. He, he hasn't been to my house, but I know Bill. And I look at this teaching on agape love, and I say, well, yeah, I love Bill. I, I want what's best for Bill. Bill's God's creation, and therefore I should love Bill. But I don't love Bill the same way that I love Sarah. We, Sarah and I have got 20 years of history together. This is my wife, Sarah, for our visitors. We got a lot of visitors this morning. <laughs> Clarify there. Um, 20 years, every day, waking up in the same bed. Except, well, when I was at the fire department, that changed, but I know Sarah in a different way. And so the love that I have for Sarah is not the same that I have for Bill. It doesn't mean I don't love Bill, but it's a different kind of love that I have for Sarah. How can I love God if I don't know who he is? I said, well, I know who he is. He died on the cross for my sins. Well, yes, that's true, but that's just the beginning of the relationship. That's not the check that box, that's done, and now what else do I have for my life? Knowing that God died, for our, died on the cross for our sins or sent his son Jesus to do that, it's just the beginning of the relationship. So it's hard to, know, to love someone deeply if you don't know them. And so um, we need to spend time with God. 
Like, how do you, how do, you do that? You, the, we just read, you can't see God. Well, we have his word. Uh, we've got the daily, the daily Bible reading plans in, in, the, in the foyer. Sarah finished the, her 2019 yesterday. She's like, she's just, she's a couple days ahead. I'm a couple days behind. But well, Lord willing, finished before the end of the year, the, the Bible in reading in a plan. Court's working on it with us. You can get to know God by reading his word, thinking about his word, not just reading it. This is easy to do. Been there, done that, and probably will do it again. You know, you read the passage, close the book, and you've got stuff you got to get done, right? Well, read his word and think about his word. The Bible would say meditate on his word. We would say, well, why don't you just think on it for a while? Talk to God, right? We read about prayer. We hear preached about prayer. It's just talking to God. God, man, I, I see this, that if I hate my brother, if I say you, but I hate my brother, then I'm lying. Boy, I need to change a few things, don't I, God? So it's a conversation. That's, that, that's your prayer life. It starts with a conversation about what you've read. Maybe a conversation about what you're facing that day. Um, talk to God. And as our knowledge of who God is grows, our love for him grows. And as our love for him grows, we'll want what's best for those that are around us. And that would be that they would know him too. And as we learn who God is, we learn what he wants for us, we learn what's best for us. Remember, agape love is what's best for the person who's receiving it. God's given us his, his word because that's what's best for us. So as we understand what this is and we, we start to put it into practice, we start to do what God says, we're, we begin to reflect his character. And we begin to demonstrate to people what God is like through our life, through the way that we live. If we live according to the scriptures, then we're beginning, it helps us to fulfill that second commandment of loving each other, doing what's best for each other. Doing what's best for someone would be to follow what the scripture says about dealing with somebody. So the Bible calls us to love your neighbor, to love people. Not literally just the person that lives beside you, but love people. Agape love people. Your wife, your husband, your kids, your parents. They don't always deserve it, do they? They don't always love us back the way that we want to be loved. But we are to agape love because people are God's creation whether it's your wife or husband or neighbor or coworker, or that guy that you can't stand, just rubs you the wrong way for some reason. Agape love people when they are unkind and they are unresponsive because they're still prized in God's eyes. They are his creation, and for that reason alone, they should be loved. They're loved perfectly by God and imperfectly by us, but we're still called to love. We should agape love people because we know if we've studied his word that his word could change their lives. And people aren't going to listen to you. If you want to tell someone what God's word says and your life doesn't reflect it and your life doesn't reflect the life of love, they don't care what you have to say. But if they know that you love them, then they might consider it. Think about this. The way that we treat people could affect whether or not they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. With that thought, we have to think, man, he loved us, I'm going to love him, and I'm going I'm to love others. Love because he first loved us. Loved because he loved you. 
I need to love because he loved me. And so three days away from 2020, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We need to hold firm to the teaching of his word. No book but the Bible. We need to love each other, right? No law but love. I believe those have been found, some of the foundational stones of the house of prayer for almost 68 years now. And I believe that those are foundational stones for the future as well. So what I want to do before we take the communion this morning is I'm going to, this is what, this is what I'm committing to do. I'm asking if you would consider to commit to the same thing. So we go into 2020, let's commit to do and to value some of the same things that the church has valued since the very beginning. Let's maintain our high view of scripture. Let's love God and love people. Let's lead others to love God and to love people. And let's be excited to watch God accomplish his purposes through the ministry here at House of Prayer. I'm going to close with a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Without you changing our lives, without you coming into us to change us uh, from a, a sinful person that didn't deserve your love, that was, uh, we were going our own way, but you loved us so much, you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, and that love changes us. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that love you, we would be a people that love others, that we would recognize that the way that we live our lives influences other people. Uh, the way that we live our, live our lives are either pointing people to, to you, our Lord and Savior, or they, it, our, our actions could be actually pushing people away. I pray that living a life of love would lead others to know who you are. That uh, because of the love that you've placed in us, we have a desire to know who you are and a desire to make you known to other people. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us the ability to love. Lord, may that be something that we are continued to be known by here at this church. We're people that love you and we love the people around us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.